It's Ascension Sunday, the last Sunday of Easter. Our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 49 through 53. Jesus is speaking. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God. Let us pray. Almighty God, send us the power that we need to do what you've called us to do. Lord, do in and through us what is only possible by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. God won't give you more than you can handle. It's a nice sentiment. You hear it all the time, especially when life gets tough. It's encouraging. It sounds like something the Bible might say. You know, it's actually comforting to think that uh, in the worst of times, if we just stick it out, if we just try a little harder, if we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, then everything will work out fine. You know, God will not give you more than you can handle. It's a it's comforting to think that God believes that I am bigger than my problems, that God has confidence in my ability to overcome my problems. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. It, it kind of makes me feel powerful, independent. The only problem with it is, is it's not actually in the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't say that at all. It sounds like a good scripture verse, but it just isn't. The closest thing to it is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says that God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist, but with the temptation will provide the means to overcome it. Uh, God won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can resist. But even in that verse, it doesn't say that we have the power to overcome. It doesn't say that we are bigger than our temptation. What it does say is that God will provide power. That verse doesn't tell us that we can conquer our temptation. It tells us that God will conquer our temptation, that God's power is big enough. We don't work our own way out of it. It is God who provides the power. It is God who overcomes. The Bible makes, uh, the Bible makes no promise that life will not give us more than we can handle. This last year should be proof enough. Uh, just look at the pandemic shutdown. And that was more than a lot of people could handle. Look at all the illness that's come with that, the isolation, the depression, those uh, half a million plus of, uh, of our fellow citizens that have died, not to mention the many more tens of thousands around the world. And have you seen what's going on in India, where the death rate is so high that they've had to set up temporary crematoria in the parking lot, out in the streets, that's way more than I can handle. The, uh, the, there's so much in this world that is just beyond my ability to cope, probably beyond yours as well. Yes, we do face more than we can handle. We do it all the times, and, and sometimes God even seems to prefer it that way. Let's look at the story of Gideon from Judges chapter 7. Uh, Gideon is going to lead Israel in fighting the Midianites. Uh, now, Gideon has 32,000 troops 
that he's going to take up against the Midianites. But God says, no, that's too many. You're too well prepared for battle. Now, that sounds kind of strange to me, but look it up for yourself. In Judges 7, uh, God tells Gideon, you are too strong for battle. He goes on to say that if if you go up against the Midianites with 32,000, then Israel will be proud. They will be confident in themselves. They will feel independent. They will feel like they have won the battle with their own hand and they will neglect to give God the credit. And so God is concerned, uh, God is concerned that Israel will be overconfident and will forget to give credit where it's due to God. And so God trims down the army. Uh, first, he tells Gideon to send home anybody that feels like they're just not in it for today, and, and a whole bunch of folks leave, but there's still too many left. And so finally, uh, God has Gideon take the remaining troops down to the river to have them drink and to watch how they drink, and depending on which way they drink, he sends on a whole lot more. Long story short, by the time of the battle, God has trimmed Gideon's troops from 32,000 to 300. 32,000 to 300. God definitely gives Gideon and Israel more than they can handle. God calls them to do the impossible. God sets them up for something that there is no way they could accomplish. Their 300 is no match for the Midianites. Their only hope is to depend on God for victory. And God provides. And that's the point. God is supposed to get the glory in what we do. And so God sets up Gideon and Israel for a war, for a battle in which only God can get credit for the win. Jesus gives his disciples, including us, more than we can handle. He gives us an impossible mission uh, at his ascension. He says, go into all the world, make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. The churches are supposed to bear fruit. It's who we are. We're supposed to be introducing new people into the kingdom of heaven. We are, uh, we are an organism. We're supposed to be growing, and the way we grow is by adding numbers. In my lifetime, we've tried with all our might to do it, and we've tried so many different things. Church growth initiatives, North Alabama Grove, Vision 2000, natural church development. We keep coming up with new new tricks and new gimmicks to try to grow the church. We hire professional consultants to come in and tell us how we might can do it better. We, uh, we go to trainings. I've been to so many trainings in the state and around the country. Uh, years ago, I spent a week out in Colorado at the Church Multiplication Training Center so that I could learn how to plant and grow a church from nothing into a massive organization. Now, we've studied demographics, we've analyzed statistics, get to know your neighborhood, find out how we can serve. There are so many things that we have done to try to equip ourselves to grow. And all of those things are useful tools. To be sure, Gideon didn't take his troops into battle against the Midianites with nothing. He didn't take them in empty-handed, but the choice of tools was kind of interesting too. Uh, Gideon leads the soldiers into battle with torches, with trumpets, and with pots, not swords and spears. It's the tools that God told him to take, and God had a specific plan for how to use those. 
God chose the tools and God used those tools to give them the battle. Look, look it up again, Judges chapter seven. It's a, an interesting story. So the tools are important. Uh, the tools that we can add to our toolkit will help in ministry, but we need not fool ourselves into thinking that we're up for the challenge. We don't need to think that we have what it takes to accomplish what Jesus has called us to do. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. We just simply don't have the tools to do that. Jesus is sending us out to do the impossible. Go and make disciples of everyone around us. Go reach the next generation. It's one of our priorities here at Forest Lake to go out into our community and reach the next generation of Christians. But let's face it, we're an older congregation in a declining denomination in the midst of a schism at a time when people are losing interest in organized religion. And it feels like everything's against us. Older congregation, declining denomination, schism, people are losing interest. The task is just too big for us. Uh, there's, uh, the job is too big for us to make disciples of all nations, for us to reach the next generation. It feels like we're doing well just to hold on to what we have. Well, the job was too big for the disciples too. When Jesus first gave that commission, uh, the job was too big. There were the 11 that had traveled with him, plus the others that followed, uh, 120 or so that gathered in the upper room against the whole world. Uh, it was an impossible situation. The job was certainly too big for that group of uneducated followers. And so Jesus made a promise. Wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, Jesus says this message is huge. The mission is tremendous. We want to change the entire world. But for now, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for what has been promised to you. Wait until you've been clothed with power. Wait until you're equipped with what you need to do the job. You see, Jesus understood that if they had left from the ascension, if they had gone right out and tried to do this impossible job, they, they would have almost certainly failed. But God will, do, God will do through us what we can never do for ourselves, only if we surrender to the Holy Spirit. God will accomplish all that God desires if we will allow it, if we will surrender to the Holy Spirit. And so this Sunday is the Sunday that sets us up for Pentecost, when that gift of the Spirit comes. Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't even try this thing called ministry until the Holy Spirit has come, until you've surrendered to the Spirit. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says that uh, God will give the Spirit to all of those who ask. But I'll be honest with you, it's not an easy ask. In order for the Spirit to fill us, we must empty ourselves. We cannot serve two masters. We can't be in charge of our own lives and surrender to the Holy Spirit at the same time. Either God is going to be in charge of us or we are going to be in charge of us. And that's really a decision that God leaves up to us. Which will we do? It's not an easy ask. In order for the Holy Spirit to fill us, we must empty ourselves. We must give up our right to our own lives. We must surrender our hearts uh, to get off the throne of our own lives and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and be Lord of all. We have to surrender our wallets. You know, 
all that we have belongs to Christ. It's why Jesus told the rich young ruler that he had to sell all he had and give it to the poor. Jesus knew that for that individual, wealth was going to be a stumbling block. So we've got to be willing to surrender all that we have to give that over to Christ for his purposes. We must surrender our calendars, that our time is not our own. Our time belongs to Christ. And uh, so look at your checkbooks and your calendars, and you'll see where your priorities are. We must surrender those in order to make room for the Holy Spirit to be Lord of our lives. We must surrender our preferences and our agendas. There's so much about our rendition of Christianity where we demand what we want. We want our style. We want what makes us comfortable. We want what feeds us. We want what serves us. But it's not really about our preferences and our agendas anymore. If we belong to Christ, if we would make the Holy Spirit Lord of our lives, then we must surrender what we want to what God wants. We need to come to the point where Jesus was in the garden, where we can pray from our hearts, God, not my will, but your will be done. It's a big ask, but it's worth it. And when we surrender ourselves, what we get in the Holy Spirit is so much more. I'm reminded of a story I heard years and years ago. Uh, a dad gave his daughter uh, uh, a gift of these little fake pearls, something he picked up at the grocery store. He thought she might like it, and he gave them to her. She just fell in love with them. She wore them all the time. And she would put them on first thing in the morning and wear them all day long, and of course, take them off at bath time because it was one of those cheap things. The string would quickly uh, rot through and break. And of course, she took them off at night. The first thing in the morning, she'd put them back on again. And she loved them and she cared for them. And they became very quickly her most prized possession. Well, the father saw how much she had fallen in love with that simple uh, little grocery store gift item. And he decided that he would surprise her with a much better gift, with the real thing a real strand of pearls. And uh, so he, he bought the pearls, but didn't tell her what he was doing, of course. And so uh, on the day he decided to give them to her, he, he called his daughter aside and said, uh, do you love me? She said, you know I do, Daddy. And she, he said, would you do anything for me? And she said, you know I would, Daddy. And he said, well, give me your pearls. And she said, no, Daddy, not my pearls, anything, but I love those. Don't make me give those up. And and he said, do you trust me? And she said, yes. And he said, then will you give me your pearls? And uh, with tears starting to well up in her eyes, she, she took the pearls out, off from around her neck and she handed them out to her daddy and he took them. And then with his other hand, he brought out that strand, that strand of real pearls and put them around his daughter's neck. And of course, she was overjoyed. She couldn't believe what an incredible gift he had given her. To me, that represents a lot of what we, what we get with, with God. So we, we cling to our power. We cling to the control of our lives. We cling to our way. We cling to our will because we love being in charge so much. But God asks us, do you love me? Would you surrender your way to me? And it's tough for us. Lord, I love you, but I don't know that I want to give up. But when we do, when we surrender, when we give up our way, then 
what God gives us is so much better. When we get off the throne of our own lives, when we surrender our own wills, and then God gives us this gift of the Spirit, we discover that it is so much better. Yes, God has called us to the impossible, but God also promises to equip us, equip us for the impossible if we'll just surrender, if we'll invite the Spirit in. Let's pray. Almighty God, the task you've put before us is too big. Ministry is more than we can handle, but it's not more than you can handle. Lord, today we surrender ourselves. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our wallets and our calendars, our agendas. Lord, we ask that you would give us the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, become Lord of our lives. Have your way in us. Do through us what we will never be able to do for ourselves. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.